Hello and welcome back to Nomads, you and I. Happy Saturday afternoon, Mark Dunnigan. Absolutely. It's another gorgeous Saturday. What are some interesting recommendations that we could make to folks who are also thinking about visiting some interesting places around the country? Well, in 2020, in August, we went through the Badlands. And this year, in late June, we hit the Badlands again. But this time, we hit it in, I would say, like late spring. And so it was green. That is, you have blue sky, big puffy white clouds, but then you have the green grass. And also, there were a number of wildflowers that were in bloom. Yellow, right? Yeah. So I think the thought is that your national parks are going to look different depending on which month or year that you see them. And it can be a completely different experience because I know this time we didn't see any buffalo. Yes. But we saw the green grass, the wild flowers, um, and as always, plenty of prairie dogs. Mark, if I had prairie dogs in my backyard, that would be all I would need for entertainment. That would be, you know, get your cup of coffee, sit out there and watch the soap opera unfold because I cannot get over their intensity. They're like these little living squeak toys and they're always extremely emotional about things. There's fear and there's, and the ones that we saw, they look like they were playing and wrestling and just to watch the dynamics between all of them. And I was blessed enough to see, I remember my very first time I came to a prairie dog town was in 2017. I was on a road trip. uh, I believe I was with Stephanie Murrell. And I was lucky enough to see a coyote was like hunched over and slinking on through. And their reaction to it was hysterical. Tell you what, the grapevine in the prairie dog towns yes. is <laughs> I heard on it through the grapevine. Have you heard about the coyote? Yeah, yes. I mean, it's instant. In fact, I think the communication in prairie dog towns is quicker than the internet, the high-speed <laughs> internet. And they're popping in and out, and they're just, oh, man, I just love me some prairie dogs. So, yes, love the Badlands. And that's very rare for us to be like, hey, let's go see it again. Again, because I always like the fresh turf. Like I want to see things I haven't seen. I know we have a limited amount of time on the planet. And so I'd really love to see the things that we haven't seen yet. But man, that was very educational in that regard. Like I'm so glad we went back. Missed the bison. It was worth it for just the color variation that we were witnessing. Because when, yeah, we pulled up and it is that contrast mark between the black sky and the lightning flashes in in contrast to the yellow flowers and the way the sun was reflecting on all of the rust-colored clayish mountains. I'm not sure what composes those formations, but the weird thing about if you've not been to the Badlands, Google it so you can see what I'm talking about. The odd thing to me, Mark, is that If you were to knock on something made of paper mache, that's like the texture. You can sense that it's, they're very like hollow. And so you can almost knock on them and they echo almost like they're so weird. It's a cool place. And of course, if you go there, well, then you got to go to the wall drug. Oh, wall drug. Yes. um, You had lunch there. I just, nothing looked good to me on the lunch. Yeah. It's a tourist trap. Now, the thing is, there's plenty of places to park around there. What I found, that is, you got a trailer. There were plenty of places that you can pull in an RV and a trailer. And it was that wall drug. The single most advertised business in the United States of America. (laughs) 
And they had, I think, what we had not seen at any other brick-and-mortar shop, a jackalope mount. Mark, what is a jackalope? Well, a jackalope is in the category of it's a mythical creature, tall, t- tall tails. Are you saying it's a fierce, mythical creature? I'm critters. highly offended by it's that. It's right up there with the fur-bearing trout, I think. <laughs> um, and... There's also developed this whole jackalope mythology. If you're going to hunt them, then you need to wear stovepipes on your legs to keep from getting gored. Oh, wow. Because they are so rabbits with antlers, right? Vicious. They're coming at and, you. And uh, the way that you catch it or entice it is with whiskey, the oh. jackalope's favorite beverage of choice, which I think is actually, no, that's the favorite beverage of choice of the person telling the story. Uh, I think truth is be told. What it is. Yes, yes. Now, I am told they can imitate the human voice. Ooh, now there you go. That's going to throw you off. Yeah, and that during the days of the Old West, when cowboys gathered around the campfires, singing, right? Oh. Singing at night, what cowboys did. Oh, yeah, did, yodeling kind of, yeah. Jackalopes could be heard mimicking their voices oh. or singing along, but here's the thing. Usually as a tenor, Oh, as a tenor. Yeah. So I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. Because the buffalo, that'd be more like the bass. But yeah. yeah. And then it is said that they mate during lightning storms. Well, that's why they're so rare. I mean, yeah. yes, there are more lightning storms in the Badlands than many other places. But yes, we have been wanting a, a mounted jackalope head for a very long time but they are far and few between i've been looking for a deal and we just we finally bit the bullet and hauled one home from wall drug hanging now at the beach house in the master bedroom that has the little plaque on the door that says pirates yes Mark, there you go. People are going to think we decorate in an eclectic way. <laughs> I don't know why anyone would ever think that. <sighs> okay. Well, this might be the starkest corner that we ever turn. I don't know if anyone in the history of the planet has began with a story of jackalopes and ended up in First Peter, chapter five, verse six through fourteen. But there's a first time for everything, and. Thank you for attending this first time. So here we go with our scripture hike. And starting in verse 6, it says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Through Sylvanus, our faithful brother, for so I regard him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace be to you all who are in Christ. All right, Mark, so that's our verses for this scripture hike. And so what are your first thoughts there on verse 6? 
I like how humble yourselves is put in the context of under the mighty hand of God. That, mm. That's a good reason to humble yourself. You're a finite, limited creature, and God is all-powerful. But it should remind us, though, that God continues to rule this world. God continues to have a mighty hand. And I think that would be very meaningful to these Christians that went through some suffering and were going to go through more. During a time of persecution, it reminded them that, wait a minute, God's still powerful, God hasn't lost control, and God is watching out over us. Mm-hmm. Yes, to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. I mean, living life God's way at any cost, that's really how one humbles themselves, right? That's the expression of humbling yourself is by living life God's way at any cost. And for these first century Christians, that cost would be pretty high for them, but it was worth it. And then when I think, Mark, about the under the mighty hand of God... I think about how any other response to the mighty hand of God other than being humble is pretty ridiculous. Well, it's where you trust him. and Well, he's so powerful. What else are you going to do, you know? Well, you don't get in the way. You're going through this for a reason. And so allow what this is supposed to result in happen. That is your own personal growth and your own great testimony for the gospel. So I love this phrase, so that he may exalt you at the proper time. And I remember, Mark, in one of our more recent podcasts, we talked about how sin is often something that is a blessing that has been morphed, like maybe it's not in the right context. So I think... Not at the right time. Not at the right time or to the right extent and all of that. So I think we have something similar here where... We are not to exalt ourselves ever, but there is, according to this verse, a time and a place that your being honored is going to happen. Yeah, it would be, I think, like, don't try to promote yourself. Don't try to force this. Don't strive after what the chief seats that Jesus saw in his time. And you don't have to fret or worry about whether you're getting the credit. Also, we need to be patient, stop worrying about uh, not getting human recognition or glory. So freeing when you do that, Mark. God will reward you, and that reward may be future, just in the future world. But God will make sure that you're rewarded. Mm -hmm. So verse 7 says, having cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I like the word all because I think some people go like, well, I'm going to give God some of my worries, but I'm going to hold on to some of them. And I insist that I'm going to worry about those. (laughs) He wants the big ones and the little nagging ones. He wants all of it. And what a relief. So anxiety is care. The Bible's not against care. It's against when we hold on to it and then we create something that distracts us. Mm, mm-hmm. That's when it yes. starts going sideways. It can immobilize you. Anxiety can immobilize you for sure. And it also happens when one thinks that they're the only one who's looking out for themselves, and therefore often they will panic in a situation like that. Instead of, hey, I'm going to talk to God about this in prayer, I'm going to trust him, and I'm not going to panic here. I'm just comforted to know that he wants me to do this. He wants me to cast all my anxieties on him because he cares for me. Because, Mark, the truth is often we can kind of wear people out. 
you know well yeah <laughs> here and i am what, again what, i mean we do have people that also care about us and are willing and happy that we're being vulnerable with them when we do that it is a burden that they're going to help us carry but when it comes to god he takes it all you know he he invites us to cast every care upon him because he cares for us that i just love knowing that yeah the end of the verse does not say cast all your cares upon me and i guess i'll have to deal with it he says because he cares for you. That is, he actually wants to hear those prayers. That is not a burden to God. In the context, you know, we talked about humility. Yeah. Someone noted that it's pride. It's Mm. pride that keeps people from coming to God and saying, this is too big for me. Uh, There's not enough of me to handle this, and I need your help. Pride keeps us from doing that. Well, when I think about, too, how much he cares for us, I think it's evidenced by the fact that he cares at a level where he has numbered our very hairs on our head. You, There's never been a human being, Mark, that anyone has ever loved so much that they, they're like, I just got to know right now how many hairs, how many precious hairs do you have on your precious head? But God, God knows, and he cares. And so the level of his care is really something that I think inspires us to care for others, you know, more similarly to how he cares for us. Thank heaven, because yeah, the character of God is so, so beautiful. So verse eight says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That's a terrifying verse. First of all, that's a good reason to have your wits about you. That's, that's a great reason to be spiritually sober alert Mm -hmm. notice he's called your adversary and he's not merely god's opponent he's your enemy and the word adversary means here a an opponent at law like someone trying to sue you you know like a corrupt lawyer Mm. and then the word devil means false accuser or slanderer Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people don't realize that you got an enemy out there and he doesn't like you. And it's the fact that God created you. That's why he hates you. Well, and a little side note, if you're going around slandering other people, you are doing what the devil does. So there's incentive to look out for that temptation to go around slandering people. Notice the imagery here. We have a adversary, like yes. we have a an opponent at law trying to get you thrown in jail. Very real. We have a false accuser. And then we have a roaring lion. And the word prowls is interesting because it just seems like he's relentless, Mm. always seeking, always looking, probing the lines for weakness, always looking for that individual that's kind of out of ranks or like at the waterhole, the one who is a little bit more separated from the others. That wanderer, yeah. The wanderer seeking, constantly looking, someone, it doesn't matter who it is. Yeah, he wants to eat your soul alive. And that would be the next word, devour, means to swallow down, gulp down, utterly destroy. That is, the devil is not just out to hurt you or kind of hinder you. Yeah. He's out to destroy you spiritually, basically, if he can, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, eternally, destroy the whole package together. That gives him the probably the most joy. Yeah, so a very, very serious verse that is very much a warning to be aware that at every moment you are at war for the well-being of your eternal soul. Mark, this sounds kind of weird at this point, but I'd like to throw out a book recommendation on this, and that is The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. 
because I tell you what, after I read that book, my eyes were opened to the times in my life when I had been led into temptation and I didn't even realize it. And it goes into a lot of the more subtle temptations, the ones that trick us. Yeah. I mean, Lewis is really good there of, you know, it's correspondence between this demon and underling and Satan of how to tempt how to trip a human. people up. Yeah. yeah. How, how to work on an individual. Right. And of so, course, yeah. <laughs> so it's a fictional book, but it it's based on very, very sobering and real schemes of the devil that we, we will all recognize. I actually did a podcast on this. If you're wanting after you read the book for yourself, it's a little book you could read in a day. After you read it, if you want more information or to kind of hear like a book club style conversation about it, if you dig down into my archives on Nomad You and I, me and a sister of Christ had a really interesting conversation about the book, The Screwtape Letters. So that felt like a little bit of a commercial break, Mark, but I think that's something that I wanted to throw out there as something, a useful resource maybe for the folks listening to this. Well, it will be useful and it will be relevant because mm-hmm. nothing has changed. We're still just like Adam and Eve that ate the forbidden fruit. We're no different than them. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think you will find the book so useful is that The human race has not changed. Yep. So verse 9 says, So resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brothers and sisters who are in the world. Resist him is very encouraging. He is not all-powerful. Yes. He can be resisted, but notice the qualifier. You're not resisting him in your cleverness, etc., with your great human wisdom or intellect. You're resisting him because you fully trust God and you resist him in your faith. And it must be yours. Can't be some secondhand or borrowed faith. Well, and it's a little bit of a reminder, the verb resist, that what he's offering looks desirable and pleasant at first. At first. Yes, at first. So this be firm in your faith, like I think about that phrase, I will not be moved. Firm in your faith. So it's encouraging, I guess, for these believers here in the first century that they would know that other believers are experiencing the same kind of persecution around the world. Yes, like soldiers whose morale is strengthened by knowing that the entire army is engaged in the same battle Mm, hardships mm -hmm. that they are in. Mm -hmm. So they're not being picked on and they're not suffering alone. Right. Verse 10 says, After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Eternity places everything in its right perspective. Suffered for a little while. Even the most intense suffering is only for a little while. God is the God of all grace or the giver of all grace the giver of every spiritual blessing. And then it says, will himself, denoting his personal interest in us. Yeah, when I think about eternity, Mark, I think about compared to eternity, our life on this earth is like a little grain of sand in comparison. So God is asking me, as we suffer through this life and have tests and trials and such, He's asking us to be faithful for the length of time that could be equated to a single grain of sand compared to the eternity when he's going to grant us that relief and wipes away every tear 
and all suffering has ended. So hang tight. There are four terms that follow, perfect, confirm, strengthen, establish, at least in my translation. But I think there's also this understanding that this is not something that happens in isolation. It goes back to the previous verse. It's if I resist the devil, if I stay firm in my faith, and if I endure the suffering for a little while, then the following things are going to happen. I'm going to become what I ought to be. I'm going to be made complete. All the parts of me are going to be a properly adjusted yeah okay yeah um i'm gonna be confirmed yes that's Um, like make sure yeah i'm gonna be you know where i need to be imperfect isn't that like maturity yes and strengthen okay yeah for Uh, the battle and i will be established like on a good solid rock foundation Mm -hmm. when i see all of that it's like well, you'll become the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. And th- those words are all about maturity. Yes. And they're all about knowing who you are and what you believe. And they're all about somebody that you cannot fool. Yeah. You can't bamboozle somebody like that. Right. Well, especially I think about establish. He's going to establish us. I think about being planted really deep in order to weather the storms of life. Yes. And then in verse 11, it says, to the one who will strengthen, to him be dominion forever and ever. What is dominion, Mark? Force, might, power, manifested power. Mm, And so mm -hmm. God's power has already been seen in calling us out of darkness and into Christ. And so more of that power is going to be demonstrated as well. And I think the thought is that, well, he will rule forever. Yeah. He will rule forever. Satan will not win. No wonder he's called up there in verse 10, the God of all grace. Like there's no other genuine source of authentic grace. And that phrase mark that he called you, how does God call us today? The Bible says he calls us through the gospel. That's the Mm. great invitation. So that means everyone is called. Yes. Everyone gets an opportunity. That's the tool he uses. Yes. But it's the people that accept that invitation are called the called. Well, yes. And so when it says, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, what do we know about this phrase in Christ? Because I wanted to just circle back to those phrases because for our listeners who are eager to be perfected and confirmed and strengthened and established, it all starts with God's grace. It all starts with being called through the gospel. And it all starts with being in Christ. So... Ephesians 1, 3 says that all spiritual blessings are in Christ, but Galatians 3, 26 and 27 point out it's through faith and baptism we get into Christ. In Christ would just simply be you have a relationship yes. with Christ. Yes, and so that is what you do to, to obtain his eternal glory and to be in this life perfected, confirmed, strengthened, and established. All right, so the last few verses here, Mark says, through Sylvanus, our faithful brother, for so I regard him. Do, have we heard of Sylvanus before? Probably the same Christian known as Silas. Oh, so, okay. Yes, and it's Silas who's with Paul in Philippi, singing in the jail at midnight. Oh, wow. All right. He's an encouragement, isn't he, that faithfulness is possible despite persecution and despite really our imperfect track record of resisting sin, because all of us have had to ask God for forgiveness in sinning. I love, for so I regard him, and that is Peter's endorsement of the faithfulness of Mm -hmm. this 
Christian. So he says, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. So Peter considers that what he's written is brief. It's a brief letter. But Uh considering the meaty topics that Peter has been dealing, Uh a letter of 105 verses is very Relatively brief. brief, yes. Yes. I'm just amazed, and of course this would be one of the evidences of the Bible's inspiration, of how much Peter's been able to say in such a short space. Yeah, yeah. So he's been exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God, and yeah, what do you do with that? What do you do with the true grace of God? Well, the next phrase is, you stand firm in it. So what does that look like, Mark? Well, I like where it says this is the true grace of God. That's very encouraging. If you're suffering, you don't want to suffer for something that's not true, right? Oh, man. Like, you are suffering for the right cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're to stand firm in that right cause, right? So, yeah, it's interesting. This is not just one path among many paths. This is not just, well, that's your interpretation or just kind of my truth. Peter says, no, this is the truth. Mm-hmm. This is the true grace of God, and therefore, stake, take your stand. Peter is exhorting his readers, you found the real thing. Stand firm of it. Mm-hmm. Don't give it up. Standing firm in it can take on all kinds of forms, Mark. I think about people that have really stood right on the brink of life or death with the persecutor saying, are you a Christian? You know, Are you going to admit it or not? And losing their life if they confess Christ. But in our day and culture, and we don't know if that's cycling back again, but, you know, a lot of people stand firm in it, aligning their morality with God, and it can be threatening to one's employment at this point. It can be threatening to your popularity at your school. Like, there's all kinds of opportunities where you're going to be asking yourself, am I or am I not going to stand firm in it today? But regardless of any circumstances that come your way in life, that's what we're praying for you, that you will have the courage and the strength through that grace of God to stand for a minute yourself. Verse 13, she who was in Babylon chosen together with you sends her greetings. Do we know who this is, Mark? I think this is probably the congregation of which Peter was a member, spoken of in the female gender. Really? Um, And also notice that the particular she is contrasted with the groups to whom Peter was writing, chosen together with you, sends you oh, greetings. Oh, that makes sense. Yes, chosen together with you. So I don't think it's a specific individual Christian. Okay, okay, that makes sense because it's chosen together with you, send you greetings. So they're expressing affection, right? And that's a great thing to do from time to time with distant spiritual family, isn't it? Yeah, and often you will find greetings from Christians in one area going yeah. to greet to Christians in another area. And so the other person that's sending greetings is also, he says, and so does my son, Mark. Yeah, and I think that's the John Mark of the book of Acts that oh. is now with Peter. It's okay. the Mark who writes the book of Mark. Ah, all now, right. son here probably means son in the faith. Last verse says, greet one another with a kiss of love. In that culture and in the East today, kissing was a method of greeting But here's the thing. It was between men and men and women and women. It was Mm -hmm. not something that was done romantically. Yeah. Um, It was to be sincere. Yeah. It was to be fervent, but it was to be platonic. Yes. And the kiss of greeting was already there, been there like for centuries. And simply the Holy Spirit says, okay, do it genuinely 
do it where you really mean it. Yes. Um, don't do it like uh, where you're fake about it. So, Mark, what might in our culture where men are not greeting one another with a kiss, so what could be the application then of this verse for us today? Well, I think it would be like when you pat someone on the back, shake a hand, things like that, that it's done out of genuine love. Yeah, don't fake it. Or a hug. Yeah. Don't do it for self-promotion or do it for any other ulterior motive. But Yeah, don't do it like the Hollywood people do it, like, oh, kiss, 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 oh, and then kiss. they have a knife in their hand. So then it closes, peace be to you all who are in Christ. Well, any- and those are the only people that you could generally say, peace be with you, because if you're not in Christ, there is no peace there. Yeah, there exists no other truly secure place to rest in this dark world. So... If you're finding yourself these days with less peace than you once had, strongly suggest pulling yourself away from unnecessary outside influences. And make sure you're in Christ. Make sure you're in Christ and listen most of the day. Find your refreshment mostly from the pure and authentic word of God and less with those empty distractions that can have some pretty depressing things floating in front of your eyes and your ears that can bring you down more than you may be realizing. So, Well, this chapter, definitely this chapter gives you the answers how to do that agreed agreed what a wonderful wonderful book of the bible i believe the one that we're going to jump in for our next scripture hikes is going to be first john so we hope you'll join us for that god bless